Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country chat with family and friends about our favorite movies. And today we have yet another special guest and special movie, um, and I will let Eleanor introduce. So the movie we'll be talking about is the animated Disney film Robin Hood, but our guest today is Katie Dunn, who Annie and I have known collectively for many years, which is great. What, well, it is true that I have known you for now like, almost 12 years. Isn't that ridiculous? Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Like, I entered college in 2006, so it'll be 12 years in August. Holy so, smokes. Isn't that ridiculous? I just, like, can't um, yeah, because at your wedding, it was, like, about 10 years that I had known you. I was like, oh, my gosh. But, okay, so for... Oh, my wedding. <laughs> I turned... I don't... That might have been the most numbered I've ever gotten in my life, and that's saying something. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, like, a whole bunch of white kids who went to Notre Dame going to Mountaintop without sunscreen in August was a recipe for disaster, but thanks for coming. <laughs> time we had a great time um but okay so katie went to notre dame she was a year above me and she i specifically remember very much the first time meeting you because it was definitely oh at a kavanaugh football party oh god um uh, it was yeah it was great and then annie when she came to notre dame two years later when i was studying abroad in uganda katie was her freshman year already yes sure. It's true. We we also lived side by side. <laughs> so I got to hear a lot of pop music. Yes. And me singing and dancing. Yes. Yes. I loved every minute. Oh, I know. I know. But you didn't get into trouble. No, I was like pretty good. Yeah, only Eleanor did. Never. Um, I, yeah, I actually did get into trouble. Yeah, you actually did. <laughs> Which is, like, funny. I remember everyone was like, you? And I was like, yeah. Out of everything all of my group of friends did, I was the one who had to go to res life. It shot you. <laughs> yeah, it was basically for crying. Yeah. Um, I know. I'm so sad. <laughs> you were very so sad. sad. We'll come back from another country. You just need to slot right back into normal college life. And that yeah. leads to yeah. crying at a dance. You know, I do my best. Well, it is funny, though, because people who haven't met me will know that story. And they'll also know the story of me at five-year reunion, where I was, like, similarly a mess. <laughs> <laughs> no, that story's, like, even better. Is it time, Eleanor, that we say it on the podcast? Is it? <laughs> I didn't Kate... know this. Wait, really? Wait, you never heard Naked Girls Curry? No. Oh. Oh! And lost. You what? Okay. I was just like, I was found in someone's room, <laughs> but was it not mine? Like completely naked. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Completely you naked. This podcast? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's gonna be great. Well, it's that whole thing. Like you go back on campus and you're like back into that mindset. Yes. Um, but then you're also like, yeah. No, I've only been back once. Oh, yeah. No, it is dangerous. Um, I also think there are tears on my part, and I think I was sober. <laughs> oh, I went back for five years and then a game, two games this fall. I've been back a lot recently, so I'm, like, taking a little hiatus. Um, but anyway. So many times. Okay, should we jump into our first segment, which is our favorite <laughs> pop culture thing of the week? Naked girl aside. Should we, <laughs> should we stop talking about what we should not talk about? Um, <laughs> yes. Really hard on researching a pop culture event that happened. Because <laughs> I realize I don't know. I mean, I've always been pop culture illiterate, but I really was like, I don't know anything that doesn't have to do with, like, politics. Mm. Which is so part of, I mean, well, part of it is, Katie, is that it's, like, stuff that we've encountered in the past week that might not necessarily be new. Yeah. Oh. But, guys, I have a good one. Oh, good! Nancy Kerrigan. Okay. Is, okay, 
Well, let me back up a second. You guys know who Nancy Kerrigan is, right? Avi. Okay, good. Um, she is now on this I, Tanya situation is the Inside Edition special correspondent for the Super Bowl and the Olympics. Wait, what? Really? Very classy. Yeah. Why she's not a real correspondent. Bones, <laughs> man, they could cut glass. Like, she is just spoken. Why is she going for Inside Edition? Maybe they're the ones who offer her. Maybe she's a really bad agent. Also, it is funny to think about... Her she's... husband's her agent. Oh. Oh, she does have a bad agent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, part of it is, like, you, we wonder... It is interesting to consider Olympians who were once so great, and we assume that they'll be, like, wealthy and stuff forever, and then they're really not, and then oh, they no. take bad jobs. Um, yeah. That was one of the things, even with the Nasser trial, I was talking to someone and I was like, so many young girls and their families had to like find a way to get to Michigan to uh-huh. be a part of this. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's also something to think about the gravitas of the situation. Right? Well, okay. Uh, well, back to Katie's Nancy Kerrigan thing, because like, <laughs> shout out to Katie for finding it. I also think it's crazy that like, okay, Nancy Kerrigan, granted, she did get like hit in the knee. And like, I feel for her. She still got a silver at the Olympics. Like, I'm not saying that I'm totally on team Tanya, but like, she still gets shit. <laughs> she gets nothing. Right. Yeah. And she got banned from the sport, which is like, insane. Yeah. Did you watch the movie? I did. I liked the movie. I thought it was really well done. I thought the movie was very American. And, like, the humor and the violence and the even, like, the criminal justice system at the end. It's like, hey, this is your one skill and we're taking away as punishment. So you actually will have just a hard time surviving. Right. Um, like, good luck to you. Right. Yeah. This is what we call justice. And she had really no education and I don't know if either of you listened to the daily the New York Times podcast but they did an episode with her and it was fascinating oh yeah she is something I remember being a child and hearing about this and granted this happened when I was three years old so like I think I was just like remotely aware that something was happening but in my brain I was like sure that Tanya Harding had like taken like a mallet straight to Nancy Kerrigan's knee because that's how it was painted and then seeing the movie I was like wait what she like was sort of kind of related to this dude who did this thing like in another state you know it's like this convoluted story yeah so did she know right exactly do you think she did um, I don't think that she's, like, 100% innocent. Do I think that the punishment fit the crime? In no way. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, did she probably have some idea what was happening? Yes. Was she obviously, like, probably having some sort of mental health issues and was that dealt with? No. You know, like, I don't know. So. What do you think, Eleanor? Um, I think she was dumb and when people are <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't think she was particularly bright to begin with and then she wasn't given the life circumstances that would help her develop critical reasoning skills and so similarly dumb people uh, but she definitely received the worst punishment it was a punishment um the movie, I think, does this well. And then she's like, just send me to jail. Just send me to jail. Like, don't they take this away from me? And then taking away her livelihood and the only thing that to that point had given her life purpose. Like, that is victimizing um, a woman without any other source of income, much more so than any of the men who played, like, much more active role. I hadn't thought about that, but you're very right. Like, the men got off super easy. I mean, they, like, went to prison and they had issues, obviously, but it wasn't, like, if we think about the uh, punishment punishment being, um, what's it called, equitable to the crime for that? Yeah. 
something fitting yeah fitting the crime yeah yeah well and you have to wonder what u.s skating ice skating or whatever played into that right like would the judge have come up with that on their own or was u.s skating like kind of against her the whole time right it's interesting like when i talk about being a very american movie about like how we idolize sports and all this classism and anyways we're discussing this movie apparently (laughs) i know okay eleanor what's yours um so last night i saw the shape of water which i had been negligent in seeing because i don't particularly like guillermo del toro movies in the past um but I liked it more than I thought. Have either of you seen it? No. No. Richard Jenkins, I thought, was the best part. I mean, like, Sally Hawkins is wonderful because she's in Paddington and Paddington 2. And so that's important. Um, but Richard Jenkins, I just think, is one of the most undervalued actors. And granted, he's 70, and now I'm getting nervous that he, like, will die. <laughs> Alas. <laughs> Wait, I'm Googling him right now. You just continue. He, okay. okay. So Richard Jenkins is like one of those guys who has been in a ton of movies you've seen, but you wouldn't necessarily recognize. His oh, name. yeah. But he's, he's always the older, like, sad dude. Yeah, but he's so consistently good at that role. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that was that was mine of the week that I've enjoyed. Okay. Annie. Um... So, my favorite pop culture thing of this week was Kate's, so Kate, as in Kate Middleton, obviously, um, a dress that she wore in um, Norway, and it's by, like, Alexander McQueen, like, the label, Um, so it's, like, the same people who did her wedding dress, but she just looked so elegant and this was, like, Catholic schools week for me, so, like, I was, like, pretty crazy, and the kids were nuts all week, and it was just, like, so delightful to be, like, look at this cute pregnant woman looking awesome. Like, way to go, Kate. Um, so, yeah, it made me happy. You know what's crazy is I know exactly what you're talking about when you yes. Catholic schools this week. Oh, I thought you were going to say about Kate oh, Middleton, yeah. and I was about to be, like... No, I'm Googling that, too. <laughs> She looks stunning. It's in this, like, blush pink dress, and it has, like, metallic embellishments. Oh, I see it. Yeah. very regal. Yeah. She's just, like, it just made me happy. I was like, oh, what a great highlight to this week. But, yeah, Catholic Schools Week, man. So, literally, our principal said yesterday, it was on my Insta story this uh, last night, but um, she, like, it's, I know, I'm so millennial, dang it but she literally was like catholic schools week it's enough to make you want to be jewish (laughs) (laughs) and it's so real because as a teacher you like hate it oh that's funny right yeah you you have different days of like dress up like a saint have cookies with the priests exactly um yeah yeah it's fun it's like forced fun you know oh yeah and the teachers, I can tell you, hate every minute of it. No bueno. Yeah, it's fine. It's cool. Well, I'm glad. This has been a very interesting portrayal of all of us and what we think about <laughs> in our free time. Um. I mean, I, like, set aside structured time to prepare for this podcast. I, like, Which love I- it. No, 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 but also even the fact that, like, the pop culture thing that you would find would be sports coverage-related is appropriate. It's the closest I could get. Yeah, which is... And you did really well. You You done great. You done great. Proud of you. Well, I have to admit, I got the tip from my wife, Molly Ehrenberg, because she was actually at the press coverage of the Super Bowl where Nancy Kerrigan was being the inside edition reporter and Molly and was like, Oh my God, it's Nancy Kerrigan. And then a bunch of letters and she was very excited. So the next morning said, how's Nancy? And Molly said that they eloped. (laughs) Like understood. Right. Like you're going to be left for somebody. 
It might as well be Nancy like Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan is. Right. Right. So anyways, just credit where credit is due. Okay. So now, if funny. I got left for Tanya Harding, if I got left for Tanya Harding, that'd be a low blow. <laughs> no pun intended. So funny. Well played. Well played. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> well done. So punny. You guys got the rest of it. Yay. Never. Okay, but Annie, I do believe it is time to move on to our discussion of Robin Hood. So, Katie, as our guest, it is up to you to answer. Okay. What is the synopsis of Robin Hood? And then following that, why this movie? So, I'm a little fuzzy on the synopsis because they tried to make me pay $3 on the internet yesterday to watch the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Watch the YouTube clips. And I don't think they were in order. Okay. So if we get the order mixed up, but the general premise is that you've got this fox with an interesting accent who is Robin Hood and his buddy Little John is Prince. Um, he, there's a bad prince and he's filling in for King Richard who's away at war. Prince um, taxes people too much and takes all their money. And Robin Hood steals it and gives it back to the people. Right. Mm-hmm. Steals from the and it's a cartoon. 1973. I read the Wikipedia page. These are important. Yeah. So, I've been wondering, so why this movie? I've been asking that myself. Because I find that when I just need some comfort, I turn towards to this movie. Well these YouTube clips apparently. <laughs> and it is because of the audio. So the songs, I I don't like musicals, I'm sorry. That's okay. Makes sense, but we'll but accept it. I know, I'm sorry. But it made me realize that like those songs they're like country like good quality country songs. Like not in Nottingham. One of my friends pointed that out on Facebook, but even the other songs like I'm not gonna sing them. Oh, but, but you one, can. They're like nice country songs, and two, it has that like white noise kind of pop that when you put on a record player, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's a technical term for it, but it's very easy to listen to. Huh? Oh, okay, okay, okay. That I get. Like the white noise. Yes. Yeah, it's just like it's just there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Paige, it was going to be based in the South, but they had just done, what is it, what's the super racist one, Song of the South? Yes. Song of the South was much earlier. And they were like, nope, we're not doing that again. That was a mistake. So they based it in Nottingham, England, Uh, but there's still a lot of Southern undertones. Yeah, so they... Right, they all do kind of have accents, even. Right, like Miss Cluck, the hen, yes, that plays football in a way, um, has like a Scottish accent. Well, and Maid Marian's accent is very upper crust, and it's weird because Robin Hood's is pretty upper crust too, which doesn't make any sense based on his historical. Right, right. I don't know. It's a good one. What's so interesting about this movie is, like, we, I don't, I don't know that we as a family got, like, super into this movie as children. At the same, did we? Teddy was a big fan. Oh, that's right. Teddy was really into it. But I do have to say that, like, in talking about the podcast as frequently as I do with friends, like, lots of people love this movie in, like, a very real way. Like, it defined a lot of childhoods. Yes. So here's the political analysis that of course i've got to bring in please you know you're always looking for a way to be disappointed by your childhood favorites because all of a sudden you realize holy smokes that was like super racist or whatever right yeah but overall i mean again i only watch youtube clips so there may be parts that (laughs) i don't have overall it wasn't as bad as others but i thought it was very interesting that the bad guy was the government who made you pay taxes Ooh. Not corporations that pay you poverty wages. Dang. 
So the bad guy was the government, which, if you read the book Dark Money, talks about the Koch brothers and all that and how they consistently tried to smear the government because they're for anarchy or anything close to it because and would do really, really well without the counterbalance of the government. So, because you know with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, they almost didn't let that get produced or uh, released or something because it was too commie. It's too communist Wait, really? because the bad guy was a banker. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it was like around the time of the Red Scare because it was released in 46. So it would have been like very, it would have been before the Blacklist. It's not a movie that would have been made in 1952. Um, but I think what, I mean, yeah. part of that is this movie comes, if you think about its release, and animated movies at this time would take years to produce, in the same way that they do now, really. But if it was released in 73, um, yeah, if we consider the politics surrounding it, um, I mean, it is countercultural. So we assume that production started on this by the late 60s at the latest. And I think that aesthetic, in addition to what you're reading, is the Southern... Um, right. Southern nuances. We do also have, I would say, like very much a hippie aesthetic in the mu- in the music and the fact that like the hero is a like rambling man who, for lack of a better term, doesn't like has a has a personal mission, but that mission doesn't align to traditional ordered society and him as wrong, but he knows in his heart that he is right. That feels like very much in keeping. Right. That. Even, um, but then if we look at like gender dynamics in this still, it's like Maid Marian has a mind of her own, but she's still very much, uh, would we describe her as a second wave feminist? Go. Ooh. I have found that don't ever touch a conversation about second wave feminism because Agreed. it leads to nowhere. <laughs> well, here's my opinion. also the thing which is bad. I'm not sure I really truly understand what second wave feminism is as opposed to first wave feminism. Okay, like brief synopsis. First Make wave, me so woke. Feminism. Okay. <laughs> first wave feminism, we would consider, you know, like Susan B. Anthony and all those people who, like, at a very basic level, were like, rich white women should vote too. Right. And then, um, Second wave feminism we can associate with the 60s and 70s, and that's more like sexual liberation, but again, like still very much focused on white women as the center of the feminist movement. Okay. Um, but it deals a little bit more with like workplace in mm-hmm. um, inequalities. So if you're thinking even in terms of movies, that would be like nine to five. Um, okay. And um, third wave feminism, which like theoretically we're in right now is supposed to be, you know, like, intersectional and aware of feminist or womanist movements around the globe and not just centered in America or the West. Yeah, my understanding is, like, the first wave was saying we are humans. The second wave was we are just as good as men and we can do what men do. And then third is, well, maybe men aren't what we're supposed to be aiming for. Maybe we're supposed to be aiming for something different altogether. Oh, okay. I, I feel that. I feel that. Um, identifying as a third wave feminist. Huh? Say <laughs> so what? Annie is all identifying as a third wave feminist. Oh, yeah. And, by the way, who else was involved in the first wave? Uh, Harriet Tubman. Yes! She She's in the a middle of it and, like about like do black men get to vote first or white women and all of that so like just reading more about her and that whole time period like this whole myth of like we're evolving on social justice because we're realizing things we didn't realize before is kind of bs these folks knew right like even george washington talking about his slave that escaped like he knew she was a person. There was no, like, oh, she's actually some subhuman whatever. He just could not deal with the rage of 
uh, and his privilege being taken away. Right. right. So, yeah, I just feel like a lot of times we talk about, like, oh, this is 2018. Why is it this way? It's always been this way. Right. Right. Because people, I mean, it's even at a very basic level, we can, you can see this when you work with small children. Anytime it feels as if a privilege is being taken away or or is being spread across more people, people do feel hurt. Oh, like, very like, hurt. Feel a loss of self. Like, people do like to feel, or they almost have this desire to feel special or better than someone else. And that is not what we claim to want in an ideal world. Right. Um, but we haven't quite figured out that. Cool. Like, how how do we get people to buy into this idea? Like, oh, like, you will have to feel uncomfortable. And, like, right away, like, mm-hmm. you might not like the fact that you are not special or unique anymore. <laughs> but that will be better in the long run. Right. Well, I mean, but there's so many people who believe that, like, they got to where they full. It means that their path to success is the right way to success. There's a lot of folks who are like, well, I had to, even yesterday, I was talking to a coworker who was working around the issue of somebody who's like, well, you know, I, I'm against it because I had to join the army and do all of this. And so everybody else should. Right. And so it's like this whole thing of, well, I've, so why don't other people do exactly like I did? Um, Rather than being like, okay, just because this is the path you took, you know. It doesn't have to be my past. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, and kind of going back to this, um, well, kind of what Eleanor was talking about, but also this Robin Hood. Because I feel like Robin Hood is like the quintessential, like, poster boy for, like, equality and, like, economic justice, right? Like, steal from the rich to give to the poor to make it all equal. Um, I would actually argue that, like, yes, while children do get upset about, like, privileges being taken away, and, like, let me tell you, I worked with some real jerky children this week who were like, (laughs) I deserve all this shit, but, um, at the same time, they really do care about that idea of equality. Like, children very much notice when you are not being fair. And sometimes they don't understand what that looks like. Like that's definitely something you need to talk through with them. But I think that it's inherent that they're like, wait, but like, if I get this, you should also get this. And if you get this, so should I, you know, like that's oh, there. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Like, I think there's a fundamental value of fairness. It just is what people interpret that to be. Right. Been incomplete information on purpose, you know, to benefit some folks and some, it just comes about because because it might not teach them, right. you know, who's gotten what and all of that. But, yeah, I mean, when you talk to folks, what's fair, um, it's just their analysis of what's going on. Totally. Wait, okay, you guys would both love this by, like, how woke one of my students is. So yesterday we were talking about segregation, and we were talking about segregation um, in schools, like, because we brought it up, and – and it was so cute. So I was like, okay, so do you guys think that there's, like, no segregation nowadays? And they were like, no, Miss Huntington. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, tell me where you see it. And they are like, well, like, definitely in Chicago public schools, like, there are white schools and there are black schools. And I was like, cool. Is, like, the city telling them to do that? And this little boy just looks at me. He's like, no, Miss Huntington. It's because of economics, please. And I was like, okay, Dominic, like, explain more. And he's like, yeah, well, I mean, that problem goes all the way back to slavery. So, like, it's just a really long-running, long-standing issue. And I was like, dang, kids, speak the truth. You're right. <laughs> Good for him. It was yeah, great. I strongly recommend the book. It's a short book called White Rage. And it really traces through the intersection of race and economics. Okay. And from slavery to present day about how white policymakers will do things that even hurt white people in order to make sure people of color don't, don't make get it to quote unquote uppity. Right. That's uh, especially so on the interesting. System. Like the US, I thought it was interesting the U, how she shows her name's Carol in 
Anderson, I want to say. It's Carol something. But she shows how the U.S. education system was set back so far and is one of the reasons we're behind other countries because of all the fight around the civil rights movement and how school systems would just stall out and refuse to do things right. for white students as well. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's so yeah. interesting. Anyways, highly recommend. Okay, I'll have to read that. I'll have to get my student Dominic to read it. He's obviously invested. <laughs> this is the most important thing to him. Yes, uh, he's so woke. <laughs> okay, so Katie, one of the other things I wanted to discuss is I remember when you were initially choosing which movie to do and you're like I loved this movie but then I realized it was problematic for multiple reasons what are some of the other ways that you when you were like reconsidering this movie through an adult lens you found it to be problematic well I don't know because I didn't rewatch the whole movie um <laughs> I think I assumed it was going to be worse than it was because usually you know you have like Jungle Book or right um with this one it's definitely like Characters have a more feminine, are male, but have like a more feminine, like, like maybe gay or maybe just a feminine. I don't know. Yeah, we have the, like, there's a very clear distinction between um, King Richard and uh, Prince John. Like, Prince, Prince John, John right. that's who it is. Definitely, he could be, he's like coded gay, I would argue. And then yeah. Prince Richard is like very much, um, what the traditional view of a powerful man would be. Like, when he comes at the end, he's a lot... Like, you know what I mean? He's, like, he's a lion. They're, they're both lions, but it's, like, even in terms of the mane itself, like, Prince uh, John, like, kind of has, like, a woman lion's head, if that makes right. sense. Right, no, totally. Well, and King Richard has been away at war, right? Military, like, that is a man, we say. And also... Like, it's one of those things where, obviously, he's a king. He's still going to tax the people. Right. <laughs> right. But, like, like, almost, like, you will accept um, government oversight if it is from someone who looks like a traditional leader. Oh, interesting. Oh, Eleanor. Interesting well, layer here. Yeah, but it's also, wouldn't you argue that's true? I mean, like, think of the... I, oh, for sure. It was even, I remember... In 2016, before the election, I had to go to D.C. for work, and I was meeting up with a friend for coffee, Like, and it was the day after the first presidential debate. And I just remember her being like, yeah, like, but it's just like, Hillary doesn't come across as president. <gasps> and then it's like one of those things, and you're like, well, because we haven't had someone. <laughs> like, right. Like, there, there's a reason. Right. Like, there's a very clear reason why that is the case. And in the same way, um, we could argue about, like, the, the sheriff, the sheriff of Nottingham, is also like mm. traditional. What we, in our, what we view a cop to be is like kind of like a human, larger man who's like a little bit silly, a little bit dumb. But we don't also think of like we don't. That is our vision of a cop, and that's limiting in the sense that yeah, there's just the limitations because of represent, representation particularly with careers, is incredible. And I think that does come across in a very strong way in this movie because, like, May Marion, though she does have agency to a certain degree, uh, so limited. And she does... Well, she's definitely the damsel in distress. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. You know, and then you have Lady Cluck, who probably has the most uh power in the movie and what is she she's old yes and, and foreign ish right like she's at least got like the thickest accent and all that and they put her in the football scene yes yeah so that be read as butch too if we want to really right that way right uh, also can we talk about i don't have any social analysis on this it's like the little turtle Oh my gosh, so cute. Yes. And the poor elderly owl couple in jail for being poor. And the mice. The church mice. 
Like it's a crumb. Church mice. Well, and part of that comes from, and this is like a long-standing Disney tradition that they really start, like that started actually with uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, is that they like to disperse um, kind of audience engagement with different characters Hmm. for marketing purposes like the, think about it because like there are there are more characters than just may marion and robin hood and so obviously like, if you're going to buy something you'd be like oh that's really cool I, um, right right but also because you're like oh i really like the turtles and the mice like if they sell something like that that's not just random mice like you've already made an emotional imprint on them right, right. well and i feel like it's unique but you guys tell me to have the rooster really be the strong narrator. narrator yeah yeah narrator yeah. yeah well this is the f- this was the first narration in that sense because it's a lot more consistent and he plays a bigger role um there is i want to say a framing narration device in sleeping beauty which would predate this but part of the reason they were doing did that for this film i think was it was a part like what you've already talked about like it was part of the stylistic um stylistic choices of the time so the songs in the early 70s were much more rambling they told narratives so that was part of it but then also they wanted to mimic um middle age particularly english storytelling styles so Uh ah yes the bard whose tales a chaucer type figure where he's he's an observer but also part of the story right yeah, because he starts out in, like, a book that looks like Barry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love the old Disney animated movie, how they all start with books and, like, in a way, acknowledging source material. In a way, and uh, Coco, I think, was good about acknowledging source material, but, like, you even think about Frozen, you think about Moana, like, these are stories that are pulled from traditional at no stage do we see source material acknowledged. No, I mean, at the end of, um, yeah, Coco, you're right. They did it at the end. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, Coco's huh. so good. I've not seen it yet. I'll put it on my list. Oh, my gosh, Katie, it's so, so good. Katie, probably the best part of it was the Annie and I saw it, and like a whole theater full of little kids over Thanksgiving weekend and like we were deeply engaged in the movie Annie and I are both like intelligent people with multiple degrees but definitely the three-year-old behind us figured out this like the twist before we did like <laughs> literally like six seconds before it was revealed she was like Coco and Annie and I turned to each other and we're like oh my god <laughs> we were like this child is so smart and like literally this child was so young But she truly, like, and saying Coco will not give away anything, but it was truly... I was about to say, did you just ruin the movie? Did you not yell at the three-year-old to be like, ah! No, it was just so cute. It was beautiful. We were so impressed. I was like, you have a career in the future. Dun, dun, dun. You can make good inferences? Like, Eleanor, what do you want from her? (laughs) She should become a writer. Yes. Should we should we tell Eleanor that sometimes, you know, intelligence and worth shouldn't be tied to a capitalistic career? Oh, love. Let's go on, Katie. <laughs> Ooh, burn. I also want this child to start. I don't want this, like, I Oh, here she goes. She's going to start walking it back. Walking it back. <laughs> Badge. I'm obsessed with this conversation. I'm usually the one on this podcast who's made to look really dumb, and, like, it's really refreshing. <laughs> no. It's a really, really terrible sense of humor. No. Obsessed. Eleanor, is that Anna behind you? It is. Yeah, my roommate Anna is also here. So we're, we're podcasting with Katie Dunn about Robin Hood. She's trying to keep quiet so no one hears you, but you're welcome. If you have thoughts about Robin Hood, you share. She hasn't seen it in years. It's a good one. Who has? Who's like, oh, yes, I just saw that yesterday. <laughs> I, it's yeah, that so was- true. 
No. Okay, but Katie, did you have a favorite part or a favorite character? Or, like, what part do you remember the most? Or what part did you think about before you rewatched parts on YouTube? Definitely the song, like, the, the, like, rambling through the forest and, like, being real chill with, like, messing with the coolest part, right? Like, there's, like, these arrows and stuff, and they're like, oh, whatever. We're having fun. No stress. Like, that is incredibly relaxing, I think, and awesome. Part that stresses me out, I didn't even watch the YouTube clip, is the prison break situation. They're going to, it's a kid's movie, and they're like, we're going to hang Friar Tuck. That's like, true. holy smokes. Which, okay, so it's harder now, and granted, like, now we're so obsessed with this idea of, safety and safe spaces i read this really uh, i loved it this book called iGen which is about generation z and their obsession with safe spaces <laughs> and i even remember like when frozen came out and there was so there was a lot actually written about how problematic it was that like the parents died and you know like in frozen like yeah the parents died but it's not like brutal it happens like very beautifully in a song and then all of a sudden there's like their boat there's a wave and then there's like a right. like black thing over their picture and then you look at like early disney movies and particularly bambi which came out i want to say in 43 44 and that one is like a very dark movie but it yes. was just at the time as a way to help kids understand their parents dying in world war ii oh um, so it's interesting now that we i would say as a society we don't spend a lot of time acknowledging death or the possibility of death. Totally. Anyway. Um, huh. And, right, but like, getting hanged. But getting hanged for something that is inherently wrong, I think is intended okay. Okay. To, to like spur up feelings of injustice to be like this, like he is being forced to atone for something he shouldn't have to. Or, like, in a kind of the, I would say, the value of life in this sense, but also the lack of value showed by the capitalistic government. There you go. Oh, boom. You always have to drop the word capitalist. Or neoliberal. Right. Just every conversation. What does, what do either one of those mean? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean. I, like, kind of hate that the scene that, like, sticks out to my memory so much from this, and I do, like, I do actually hate that this is immediately where my head goes, but, like, the waterfall scene with, like, Rob Flood and St. Marion, and I'm like, oh, I hate that that's the one I right. immediately do. But, you know, this is, like, childhood images of romance have, like, cast a long shadow. Oh, so much so. And Anne pipes up. Oh gosh! Stop. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us. Tell us how it's all Disney movies' fault. It is all Disney movies' fault. They give you this false sense, like as a woman. I mean, there's like so much there, but that like a man is just gonna like show up one day and it's gonna be like, and everything is perfect. And it's like, no, but it's like not. Like this dude, number one, isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. Maybe it's not even a dude. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but there were all no Sorry. alternatives. Okay. So, Annie, there's yes. this book of essays that I think you should read. It's, I think it's called How to Fall in Love, and the author is Mandy Catrone. That might not be how you pronounce her name. But she was the one who wrote the New York Times modern love piece, 36 Questions. Oh, love. I loved oh, that, that one. one. Yeah, I love how everyone knows what that was. I think it was the most read article out of New York Times in 2015 or 2016. Really? And one of the things that she talked about that I really liked was the fact that, particularly in Western society, we're obsessed, even though we don't like to admit it to ourselves, we are, we're obsessed with the idea of creating the story of mm. a romance more than anything else. And she's like, the question people always get asked is, oh, how did you meet? Or like, and how that's, and like the problem of thinking like that. And the fact that like we consistently have to come up with acceptable like framework right I feel like you would enjoy the book or it would be maybe useful to your thinking okay no, I should I read it that's really 
interesting because I feel like when I ask people like, oh, how'd you meet? I, I don't usually do that because, but Molly will ask people, right? She's good at these conversations. Like, oh, how'd you meet? And they're like, oh, we met online. And there's this awkwardness about it on their part. And it's like interesting to think about it in terms of we have this expectation of this serendipitous meeting or something. Right, where you just like come into contact with them, you know, some weird way and you're just all of a sudden happy. Right. And I mean, like, I buy into this all the time. Truly earlier this week, I was talking to some of my coworkers and honestly, all of my coworkers who are older and married and have been in like long relationships, I truly, I think they do have like the most interesting stories of how they met their spouses. And I was like, oh, all you guys have good stories. I was like, I'm going to die alone. And it was funny to be one of my favorite. <laughs> And then one of my favorite people, and she's like a gem of a human being. Um, my coworker Kate came up to me later, and she's like, "I want you to know, like, I really doubt you out of anyone I know will die alone." And she's like, "But then she did. She was like, I didn't meet my husband until I was thirty and a half years old." And I was like, "That's like a year away." Right, from right. <laughs> Like, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> and But it was really cute that she was like, out of anyone I've ever met, I can't imagine you dying alone in any capacity. She's like, you're just around people all the time. And I was like, this is true. Well, <laughs> Katie. Are you guys literally talking about dying alone? Or is this like a... No, this is real. No, Eleanor and I frequently have this conversation, but we're not going to let it happen because we're not going to let the other one ever marry so that she and I can end up just adopting children from all over the world and like living a super awesome single life yeah no single life. i listened to your last episode in full to, in preparation and i heard about this a single alone and together i was like i am gonna skip right past this conversation if it comes up <laughs> <laughs> and here it is it always finds its way <laughs> rearing its ugly head <laughs> It's the expectations Disney put on us. Don't worry. Just kidding. No, so fun. One of those things, we talked about this with our neighbor Cassie before, too, is, like, we grew up loving musicals, and it's hard because we loved them so much, but they ruined us. And, like, oh, right. would we then show musicals in the future? I don't know. Except Greatest Showman. I right. watch Greatest Showman every day when it comes out on you. Right, because that's not problematic. I agreed with whoever the guest you had on the show that was like, uh, no, it was really problematic. But <laughs> I feel the way about football as most, especially women my age, feel about Disney movies. Like, you grew up with them, and you know there's problems, but it's just like a cultural, I don't know, sense of timeless culture. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You guys are like, you're crazy. No, you're not crazy. I think that's a really accurate thing. Whereas like, you know, if you are like an actual, in the same way that like, if you're an actual Disney fan, you have to be both like troubled by the content in it and motivated to make it better in the same way that like if you truly love football as a sport and kind of as a community you do love elements of it but you have to be cognizant of the ways in which it has failed and the way Um, that it's giving kids concussions (laughs) like right no that's my biggest thing is like the health concern but it's also kind of like how i see critiques of policing in that most of the problems are from our entire society um right that manifest when you have power and so I think it's um a lot of football you know but that doesn't excuse right the the fact that it exists like maybe football should not exist I mean I don't know there's people who are better at physics than me but I would hope like if we switch to flag football if they switch to something like flag football it would be um just as fun as and exciting without the massive skeleton damage that happens. Right. Well, and it's the whole thing of like kids can have 
brain damage just from playing in middle school and high school. Right. And if that's their one way out, it's not football's fault that our world sucks and it's like the one way out for a lot of folks in oppressed communities. It also doesn't, you know... Like, it's not Disney's fault that, like, the general culture is sexist and racist, but does that excuse it? I don't know. And, like, it's a heteronormative story, love story, like, all of those things. Right. The best pieces, I feel like, to come out of the Azizi and Sari scandal have dealt with the fact that dating culture is problematic and no one now really knows how to operate well in, in a dating situation. And, um, but do we, do we blame the media entirely for presenting us images of such? Like, no, that's like not entirely fair because media and representation is constructed by people and like we have all bought into the system. Yes, we have. And like, we continue like, Super Bowl is going to get incredible television rankings, like ratings on Sunday, like despite all of the multitude of issues. Uh, so do we demand it yeah all those questions right well and the way I justify it and I was actually going to be like I'm not watching football this year and then I actually joined two fantasy football leagues for the first time ever so that happened I'm ashamed but I'm like why I don't spend money on it like I don't buy a special cable package I don't like that's like if I'm not you know I don't feel like perpetuating it um but I'm sure by, like, talking about it in culture and all of that, I guess I am perpetuating it. It's IDK. Cool. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. So we should start wrapping up because we've been talking for a long time, which is great. But, like, it's a long episode. <laughs> My bad. No, it's cool. It's so huh. cool. Um, so our question wrapping up. Robin Hood discussion. Is this a movie that kids should see today? Why or why not? Yes. Why? Because it's fun and it has a different style of music than most other Disney movies. It's an element of economic justice and it's not too problematic. Okay. Eleanor? I would I would say yes. I because in part Robin reimagined in so many different forms um even just in film alone because there's this animated version there's the disney version from the 50s that's live action there's the 30s version that's live action there's like the kevin costner version robin hood men in tights there's robin hood men in tights and i do really like giving kids at an early age the opportunity to kind of cross-examine different texts on the same theme or story and so yeah I'd be a hundred percent for it cool um so I would and and I think I'm gonna go with like for the economic reasons of this I do think that kids would see it as generally unfair and like it could at least in a classroom lead to a really interesting discussion and I've had some of these discussions with my kids and like over the years they've been like really upset like whatever I say that you know one percent of the world owns 98 percent of the wealth they get upset and I'm like you guys should like you really should Uh and so I think that this movie kind of calls that like puts that at front and center in a way that a lot of other children's movies don't or are or are unable to so yeah um excellent yeah I know right don't you love I mean these poor parents. I'm sure that they have like the strangest dinner conversations with their kids. Yeah, they're gonna. Have, they're paying a lot of money for therapy. I'm sure. For I know. Because like their kids are like, Mom, I have white guilt. I have like the two percent guilt. I have all the guilt. And the parents are like, shh. shh. <laughs> Life is too hard when you think like that. Don't do that. This is a Catholic school. It makes sense that they have these problems with guilt. Right. That's Honestly. true. It's just like par for the course, really. True. It's true. It's just, I mean, if you're Catholic without guilt, are you even Catholic? And I don't understand. That's true. <laughs> um, okay. Well, okay. So our last question is always where in the world you would want to go right now if you could. Um, and without worry about money. It's not a thing. Somewhere that has a rainforest. Ooh. Never been in a rainforest. I'd like to do that. 
Oh my gosh. So I was talking on the phone yesterday with a friend who's going to have a baby in like a week and she lives in Chicago and she was like talking about how cold it was. Who? I, uh, Sarah Rivers. And I know that this will sound crazy because granted this is my like fourth year in Los Angeles or fourth winter in Los Angeles. And I... This has been the first year where I can no longer conceptualize winter <laughs> in that sense. And she was, like, describing it to me. And I was like, I hear you, but I, like, don't believe it, if that makes any sense. So I definitely don't want to go someplace that's cold. I really want to go to Guatemala because they found the secret Mayan ruins. <laughs> I oh, like, I think I heard about that. Let's go. That's the plan. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Um I would go to Hawaii. It's been coming up in a lot of conversations, and I watched Moana yesterday with my students, which I know is, like, generally Polynesian, but, like, Hawaii is probably the easiest at this point. So, I mean, easy in terms of, like, location and distance and not easy in terms of money. But, you know, it's cool. Money ain't no thing. You guys are teachers. You're rich. (laughs) I'm still not sure what your job is. (laughs) Genocide. (laughs) <laughs> was that your roommate who just said, oh my god? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, no, I know, but it's like, I think the word, literally the name of where I work is the Hebrew word for Holocaust and then foundation. Um, I did not know that. Oh yeah, Shoah means Holocaust. Um, oh, but that does remind me. So, Annie, you'll appreciate this. Oh please, what does this fondly remind you of? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a senior citizen intern who turned 85 years old yesterday. He's a child survivor of the Holocaust, and he comes in once a week. He talks to me on the phone all the time. He emails me essentially nonstop. <laughs> and, but he's Holy very smokes. And he last summer made me earrings, um, and they're pretty hideous, but obviously, like, <laughs> I have to keep them forever. Right, right. And like I got you these earrings and they're like these like really giant gaudy like chandelier fake diamond earrings and he's like you can wear these to a ball also they're not really diamonds (laughs) (laughs) okay and it's great to think that he thinks I had 10 balls frequently (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's so cute huh I don't I don't even know what to do with all that information. <laughs> that is so he really cute. Grab my hand, and he's like, "If you ever leave Los Angeles, my heart will break." <laughs> oh my! Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Kill him." <laughs> he also like that's a lot to take in. It is. Um, one of my friends is convinced that George will leave in his will, which is a horrible thing to talk about. And I'm like, what he's going to leave me possibly would be if he, like, paints all these pictures of, like, Auschwitz and stuff. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Right. So he <laughs> might just leave you a bunch more earrings. I think that's what we can hope for. <laughs> yeah. Everything so anyway, about this it. is hilarious. Because, like, I've met George, and he's so lovely. I like that idea of a senior citizen intern. Well, and I've read a lot of books about, like, how do you promote lifelong happiness, and it is this idea that you need to be, you need to consistently feel as if you have value. So, mm-hmm. I give him tasks, like, he translates all of our biographies into French, because he's from Belgium, um, but, I mean, and it's not stuff that I actually need, but he's convinced it is really mm-hmm. important, and I'm like, that's fine, eventually we might need these in French. Right. Huh. Now I feel like yeah. I should go get a... What do you call him? Senior citizen intern? Yeah. I'm just going to go down the street and be like, excuse me. <laughs> Something to do? Do you want to be my intern? I think that's how it works. But yeah. No um, application oh, process. I'll give it a try. Just invite me back on the podcast. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, yeah. perf. We're going to have round two soon enough because obviously we have lots to talk about. Okay, Eleanor, do you want to close this Sorry. out? You do it so much better than what? I do. Okay, so you can find us on all the social medias, primarily Instagram and Facebook. Twitter we never use. Um, but you can also find us on um, Apple Podcasts, 
Stitcher, not Spotify, despite what our business cards say. <laughs> and Dunn for being our guest. Yes. Bye. Bye.